பேலூர் மக்னா தண்ணீர் கொம்பன் பிடி செவன் படையப்பா அரிக்கொம்பன் In Kerala these names have become synonymous with the ongoing struggle between humans and wild elephants with 27 deaths attributed to elephant attacks out of 98 wildlife related fatalities in 2223 the reality of this conflict is stark as wild elephants and animals traverse borders in search of food and water people are living in fear as we explore the causes consequences and potential solutions to human animal conflict we confront a fundamental question who is the hunter and who becomes the hunted in this age old struggle Hi you're listening to On Manorama's Explainer podcast News Break a weekly show that breaks down news in a clutter-free manner This is Harita Benjamin and today we are here to look into the rising human animal conflict in Kerala Today we are joined by Prakriti Srivastava IFS the recently retired principal chief conservator of forests in Kerala Welcome to the show ma'am Hi Harita thank you for having me on the show yeah, I'm really happy to be here and talk to you So uh, for the first question I think um, a majority of our audience is curious on why there is a sudden spike in the human animal conflict uh, uh, in Kerala So uh, if you are to consider the various factors what would you think are the major factors which contributed to this spike So let me just uh, answer it in this way that uh, human uh, wildlife conflict is not something that is new it uh, in fact when i joined the service way back in uh, 1993 in kerala and that i joined in vainad even at that point of time there were issues of human elephant uh, conflict and there were a lot of uh, measures being thought of at that time uh, so it is not a new thing but uh, as you said that there seems to be an increase uh, in this sort of a conflict which is uh, coming out or coming to the fore nowadays so i'll uh, uh, sort of describe it in this way that uh, we should look at it in the background that actually the elephant population uh, and wildlife population is actually decreasing so if you look at the right. uh, figures given in 2017 elephants were something like 5700 plus uh, as per estimations and now in the 23 estimation it has come down to about 2400 so uh, the populations are actually decreasing and therefore that sort of a, um, a narrative that it is because the populations are increasing and that's why the problem uh, this uh, escalation is happening is probably not a correct narrative so that's the background in which i wanted to uh, speak there are actually inherent causes uh, which um, actually uh, cause this escalation even though the population is decreasing you know the uh, most important thing that i can think of is that human habitations are really increasing and they are encroaching upon the areas which were traditionally of uh, wildlife habitats 
for example i'll just describe you uh, uh, and uh, from my own experience that when i joined in vinad way back in 1993 except for one or two habitations or townships that were there like vaitiri and kalpetta etc to manantwadi where i was uh, um, posted as a probationer there were there were these three habitations only and they were small townships and in between they are basically almost uninterrupted wilds uh, uh, and plantations and forests okay so that was the scenario and i went recently or rather i went back in 2017 and i was shocked to see that it is almost full of habitation and actually uh, there is almost no space on either side of the roads you know that's full of habitations there so you see what has happened is that we have uh, almost blocked the path of the elephants or the wildlife and you know that elephants are uh, migratory species they move around so right. when you block the path what's going to happen this is exactly what's going to happen there's going to be conflict so who's made it it is we humans who have made the situation no and that's again the point that i always say that this sort of a um, you know um, dissonance between the revenue department and the forest department and we work in our own silos and we don't collaborate with each other and take unified decisions is also another very important cause for it for example when all these pattas were given by the revenue department why were the forest department not consulted why did we not say that these are elephant habitats please don't do it and please do not uh, allow this sort of a uh, conglomeration of habitations to come up in these areas so that again i believe is a very important cause that why uh, this conflict is escalating we have completely started invading all the areas which were uh, wildlife areas and forests and this is causing uh, an escalation of the problem uh, of uh, human wildlife conflict now since you've uh, listed the anthropogenic elements and what are the reasons so maybe if you could tell us why uh, if you're looking at the climate change the heat is becoming uh, intolerable for even us so uh, if, could that also be a reason why uh, elephants and uh, tigers and leopards are uh, coming in search of uh, food or water and uh, does it have anything to do with the quality of forest you know deteriorating in general so uh, could you like uh, address that aspect as well absolutely see as yeah. far as climate change is concerned we know that uh, this sort of changes that are taking place uh, are having an effect and uh, while we can uh, sort of you know uh, talk about it and infer frankly there is not enough uh, documentation uh, and uh, direct links and research about the direct link between climate change and um uh, escalation of human wildlife conflict okay. so that's the way i would say uh, or at least uh, you know even if that sort of research is being done how it is impacting kerala i have not read about it maybe scientists have and that's the other point that you know if such sort of work is being done uh, by scientists and researchers uh, that does not translate into actual action uh, in the field so that's another point i would like to say that actually when research is being done there should be actually lab to land sort of right, right. translation of those uh, impacts more than that as what you just now said it is actually a real case of uh, degradation of the habitats mm-hmm. i'll just give the example of vinad for example you must have heard of that species senna spectabilis uh, the and it is it was brought from i think south america and as a, a ornamental species and planted by the 
forest department itself in their compounds in the social forestry uh, office compound i understand it was planted and now it's an invasive it has completely taken over the vinar plateau and our uh, wildlife sanctuary almost 10% of it is getting uh, impacted by the senna spectabilis and it is invading from outside and going towards the inner core of the uh, wildlife sanctuary and while we have been aware of it we have not uh, fought it uh, as something that requires that sort of determination to get rid of it we have been uh, thinking about it and trying to find ways to do it but we have not attacked that problem and actually found a uh, you know decimated it and found um, a way to actually restore our forests so what i wanted to say that is one example i am giving but even within uh, we'll find that the deterioration of um, the forests have taken place we find that uh, because uh, the naturalness of the forest is reduced therefore uh, uh, animals are also the wildlife is also impacted by it and they are also searching for Uh, food water etc because of the deterioration of the habitat within the forest now you'll also see for i am just again giving vinar as an example uh, which is across actually uh, kerala and maybe other places also that right. our uh, forests and wildlife uh, sanctuaries are full of human habitations and uh, they are actually um, and uh, some of them are not just tribals they are actually traditionally being there or they had been relocated there Uh, or kept there in uh, because of the uh, um, what uh, that grow more fruit program etc they were uh, located there and yeah. they are also because within the forest they are causing that sort of anthropogenic pressure so this is also another issue which which is causing deterioration of our forests so But these are again, all even uh, these uh, tribals and you know uh, like i read a news article where uh, wherein they said that even maoists are getting affected by the human animal conflict uh, so uh, they are also being subjected to these attacks right so uh, should we like look at a reallocation program or you know rehabitating them uh, is that an option in such absolutely. a case Yeah, absolutely. There are two uh, two aspects to it actually. That you see, wherever uh, uh, relocation is done, it has to be voluntary. I think okay. that's a very very important aspect that I would like to underline right. because there are many people who are many tribals, especially who are living there and who are traditionally uh, living with forests, and many of them may not want to relocate, and there should never be possible relocation. Okay, but uh, having said that, there are many many uh, people living within the forests, both tribals and otherwise, who actually want to move out, and mm. therefore. they should be uh, supported and they should be actually uh, helped in moving out to the lifestyle that they want to live and you may be aware that uh, there is a central government scheme also uh, which allows for funding of uh, uh, of uh, such voluntary relocation and which is actually being implemented in vaina so that is not only for non tribals it is for tribals also we have got a lot of funds over the years it happened from 2012 onwards that we got funding for that and as men uh, out of uh, i think uh, 12 habitats uh, 12 uh, villages inside the forest uh, i think uh, about 7 had already moved out and uh, la- uh, last year we had got another uh, huge uh, funding from the center Uh, and uh, for another 266 families if i remember rightly and they were also being 
handheld to uh, uh, relocating outside the forest and that is a very very important intervention that is being done i'd also like to bring another very good scheme which was being uh, funded by the uh, uh, kerala forest kerala government itself uh, you may have heard about the navakiranam scheme which i was right. running while i was in the department that's an amazing scheme and in fact at that point of time within a year we found as many as 640 families availed of it and half of them had already moved out and the other half were ready to move out also and uh, i understand the scheme is still going well and at that point when i was there 5000 applications had come in across the state for people to move out and that is something that actually we should really support because they and whenever we talk to people that was their whole uh, uh, point that they were making that there were two reasons why they wanted to move out because they were not being able to uh, you know withstand that uh, conflict between human and wildlife going on especially elephants it whether it be their livelihood their agriculture and taking their children to school etc that was one part of it and the other part of it was that they wanted better uh, opportunities for their children a better um, a safe living for themselves medical facilities so they wanted to move out so this is one scheme that i was i thought was a very very impactful one and even though we say 650 at that point had moved out but that is a very small number compared to the total number who are there so that is something i feel that uh, is going to be really impactful and more funds and more um, focus should be given on it so that and it should not be stopped more and more uh, uh, you know focus should be given so that it actually helps the people and addresses this conflict issue also all right ma'am uh, so now on that point i'd like to ask another question now uh, there is you know these most of these people are dependent on certain type of livelihoods right be it the tribals or the farmers who are living on the fringes uh, they uh, they may be uh, dairy farmers they may be you know people who are reliant on other types of farming so uh, yeah. when they are being relocated is their livelihoods which are also uh, you know disappearing or you know that is also at stake there right so uh, what is you know like is there like uh, in your experience have you experienced uh, people who have come back to you and said that you know uh, it's difficult to cope uh, in the mainland because uh, you know this is what they have been familiar with you know throughout and relocating uh, has you know done away uh, with that so uh, like how how does that uh, you know adjustment happen okay so in fact that's a very very important aspect and that is why you see people were initially not ready to relocate at that point of time Correct. but when we brought in this uh, navakiranam scheme we actually uh, deliberately put in the component of uh, livelihood training so what happens is that people who come out at that point of time when they are signing the agreement we ask them what type of support would you like uh for livelihood uh, support that you would like training that you would like so they tell us various things they may be computer applications uh, they may be poultry that they would want to do tailoring many women want to do tailoring so we give them training for example in vinad itself we gave tailoring through the usha company we gave them tailoring uh, uh, in, uh, you know tra- training and we also gave them electric sewing machines so they okay. took that over and they started working Uh, with that you know another person who came out he said he wanted to do uh, weeding through an electric weeder uh, you know and we gave the training for that 
and that person was otherwise doing it manually he would come out of the forest and do it manually and earn very little how tiring it was you know so we uh, provided him training we provided him an electric weeder now he is doing using that and then uh, you know able to earn much more money uh, in a, a shorter period of time and uh, therefore be more uh, uh, um, uh, financially competent so all these uh, way that's why we have brought in this particular aspect so it's not that you just take them out and then forget about them you actually help them to integrate in the uh, new milieu that they are in and have a better livelihood and not only this we said whatever you want it's not that we are telling you what livelihood training you want we said whatever you would like you tell us for example you want driving or anything we will facilitate it we will ensure that we will you'll get the training we'll pay for it so in fact we had put aside 25000 per family and whoever from the family wanted the training we were helping in them in providing that and therefore that was something that was very very unique and novel and um, uh, people really um, uh, used it and we started it just a few months back i'm sure it is picking up and if we take that strongly this voluntary relocation that is happening is going to be much more impactful because of that and much more uh, you know uh, caring for the people who are coming out and uh, i it will have much more traction also because of that yeah all right so uh, now my next question is now we've discussed uh, the long term uh, solutions uh, which is one yeah. one is the relocation now on yeah. the short term basis if you are looking at we need an immediate resolution to the problem because you know people's uh, lives are at stake so uh, mm. uh, you know there is this uh, you know hue and cry that you know there um, the elephant should be tranquilized it should be relocated uh, and you know the, the same thing goes for a tiger or a leopard and then wild boars should be culled so these are the mm. solutions which are uh you know being uh, propagated every now and then uh, as a short term measure so uh, do you think that is enough or do you think uh, that is wrong and what could be the alternative in your opinion see one uh, point that i would um, like to again stress is that human wildlife conflict is not new and right. it's not going to ever end right okay it's not going it's not that it's one day going to vanish uh, we should be well aware of it we have to minimize and mitigate it right and uh, if we have that in mind and uh, we look at it in a holistic fashion how we can uh, you know help our wildlife as well as our people i think that's a very uh, you know balanced way that we need to look at this issue and find a solution to that right. okay so that is the second thing the third thing is that we are talking about tranquilizing culling etc uh, and uh, also we are talking about um, managing uh, wildlife populations hmm. i uh, feel that uh, you know there are certain cases uh, where a, a tiger becomes a man eater or something like that then probably one needs to look at it from that aspect that is not something that is uh, correct to allow uh, you know uh, human beings to be uh, troubled by that but let it be a very very uh, serious case where you have to look at it uh, in that aspect but otherwise uh, also you see while we keep talking about how wildlife elephants or tigers are uh, you know doing all this and uh, troubling the people do we also any ever uh, see what uh, humans are doing to instigate them many cases there are cases where you know people are going and actually instigating the animal also so we need to look at that we need to look at that also for example though it is not uh, related to uh, conflict uh, in the uh, in the forest i'll say when i was dfo thrissur 
uh, I saw in Trishur Puram, you know, that uh, there was one elephant which escaped and people instead of moving away and going away from the elephant, they started chasing it. So right. what did you expect that will happen? So we must un- uh, remember that what is the human psyche and what is the human response also to this is also a very important aspect. Then say the third thing is that, look, um, as I said, in very serious cases, we need to look at it uh, as to what is the uh, cause for it. But this sort of a general thing for small issues that you want to tranquilize them, translocate them, uh, cull them, castrate them, how is it going to work? Because finally, you see, uh, human survival is dependent on the survival of our planet and the survival uh, of our forests and their uh, biodiversity. Right. So um, what do we think? that Are we going to be able to survive without this? Uh, what about our air? What about our water? What about our agriculture? All that comes from forests and its biodiversity. How elephants are responsible for the biodiversity to flourish thanks to their being moving and taking the, uh, the seeds for dispersal, etc. Are we aware of it? And that's what is our, our hedonism, you know, that we think that we human beings only need it and therefore yes. we uh, only need the earth and we are the ones who have are entitled and uh, everything else uh, is secondary. But uh, then don't we realize that even if that be the case, if that's the way you think, you need the forest, you need the biodiversity, otherwise you are decimated in the end. It's your generation may not be, but the next one will be or the one after that. So you have to be very, very, uh, you know, uh, conscious about it and find solutions that will allow both human beings and wildlife to go along without it being an antagonistic relationship. Yeah, so that's how I say it. And to add to that point only, I would say that uh, you were asking what are the other ways, immediate ways. We really need to look at this, you know, that um, what are the cropping patterns we have? just outside our forest. You go, for example, uh, to many areas, you are having bananas, you are having other crop, which is, uh, uh, you know, palatable to elephants and other herbivores. Now, are they not going to come out and uh, eat on it if uh, it is available? Uh, So what is it that we can do to ensure that there is some sort of a, uh, you know, belt uh, between the forest and the area uh, in your habitations? that can be uh, free from this sort of a palatable crop. You can grow some other type of crops. For example, uh, there is not enough work done on it, what type of crops that you can grow. Uh, For example, we found that chia uh, is one of the things that the elephants uh, do not eat. Uh, And and they are uh, of uh, high price. They are supposed to be very valuable in the agricultural market. So if uh, farmers adopt this, they would be able to, you know, get a good price also. And it would also reduce the conflict that happens. So we have not done enough work on it. We really need to do work, find such cropping patterns, cropping, uh, you know, uh, agricultural crops that can be grown, which will not escalate uh, the conflict and actually, uh, you know, uh, minimize it or mitigate it at least. Yeah, so that is something that I think we really need to look at. Another aspect is that we always keep talking about putting barriers, trenches, etc. And we are not looking at the biological methods. And we sort of uh, poo-poo them, you know, and say it's uh, it's not going to work. But why don't we give it a really focused and, uh, you know, uh, really try to make it, uh, to find it in a, a larger scale, experimental one maybe, to see whether they will really work or not. For example, they say honeybees is something that really puts off elephants. So now many times we had proposed it, but everyone said, oh, they laughed at it. But what's the harm in giving it a try uh, at a larger scale? Maybe it will work. Maybe we should find these type of solutions to it. 
you know so i and the last part that i would like to say about it is also that uh, you we talk about compensations etc and that compensation is always given after the um, deed is done where right. uh, the damage is done yeah so yeah. why don't we look at it as an advanced compensation if we know where are places where they are happening these type of uh, problems are happening uh, if we say that okay don't grow the crop at all we will compensate you for the crop that you have not grown we can calculate it you take that money don't grow it so you are uh, financially uh, taken care of and as well as this problem has happened uh, this problem is uh, actually addressed you know where uh, uh, conflict does not take place i think that is something that we have been talking at least i have been talking but i don't see that it has actually materialized Material. if we look at it in this way also no i feel that will be a very positive way and uh, when where these um, hot spots of conflict are there if we move people away from the traditional agriculture handhold them and maybe help them in some other way to uh, take some other um, uh, livelihood option that is something that can be really uh, helpful i think and that can uh, mitigate the problem yeah all right ma'am so uh, so to conclude like if you were to outline a few long term measures which would ensure that you know the ecological uh, significance of you know kerala's biodiversity is maintained and you know the the needs of both the wildlife and the humans are maintained uh, what would be the key uh, measures uh, just uh, i think the top on my list uh, would be voluntary relocation right um, where we free up our forests uh from uh, habitations and allow that area the the forest to uh, regenerate and be competent to support uh, wildlife uh, that would be one of my top uh, on the list and also that uh, it is a win win situation where both wildlife and people win and people come out they live a better life they have uh, better futures for themselves and for their children and uh, that would be uh, one of the top on my list the second would be uh, to ensure that the forests within uh, are allowed to regenerate we remove these monocrops we remove uh, uh, this um, uh, you know a lot of acacia you must be knowing acacia and um, eucalyptus etc etc grown in natural areas we should allow them to revert back to uh, natural forest this monoculture uh, you know regime should go that's the second thing uh the very important thing also is that uh, how these pattas are be being given how we are allowing uh, human habitations to expand into natural forests i think that's a very very important aspect and that we should take as uh, take very seriously where uh, all departments should get together and try to find a, a you know a concerted way where human habitations are not allowed to uh, expand like this and we should not indulge this sort of uh, 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 mindset the other point that i said the invasives that are there we really need to find a way to uh, um, ensure that uh, these invasive species are uh, addressed and they are reduced uh, and we allow our natural habitats to come up so uh, the other thing is i said fragmentation is something that we really need to stop and we should we can consolidate our uh, you know uh, our um, Uh, uh, uh human habitations and make them uh, better uh, for uh, people to live there and allow our forest areas to be uh, um, uh, um, uh, less having an anthropogenic um, impact uh, on them so i think these are other important things and 
the other aspect that i really want to say is which I, we have not touched upon is eco tourism right right so yeah. i uh, i really think that's a very important aspect because uh, somehow eco tourism uh, had uh, in some time back was being sold as the solution to our ecological problems that you have people they come and visit and then the a lot of money comes in and the money goes into uh, the communities and that will help the, uh, the biodiversity also but uh, frankly the way eco tourism has been implemented has actually one of the biggest culprits today you have so much of uh, commercial uh, tourism and it is called eco tourism it's the name of eco tourism right now you see what happens in that now you find that the, there is no control on visitation they use it as picnics it's not for educational purposes there is large scale influx on uh, holidays uh, then uh, everywhere you have these shanties coming up where you have uh, you know uh, cold drink shops and chai kadas and um, uh, chips and the amount of waste and rubbish that is created because okay. of that you know and uh, and all the human uh, township that has come up there you know not to cater to this sort of a uh, visitor um, um, arrival that is there so actually it is uh, so the human footprint is so large in these places and the infrastructure that is built uh, you know uh, is so huge in these areas that it is one of the biggest causes of uh, damaging and deteriorating our forest habitats and also taking the wildness out of our wild animals now i uh, you'll see that the monkeys the macaque monkeys come out and they start uh, drinking their fruity bottles and eating their chips that are left over and the uh, the uh, wild pigs come out and they are also scrabbling in that uh, uh, filth to see uh, if they can get something to eat then you must have heard about our uh, padayappa padayappa which goes yeah. To, yeah which goes to the vegetable dumps to uh, you know in the rubbish dumps to search out vegetables so we are just removing the wildness out of uh, our wild animals is that right. uh, something yeah so ecotourism is another thing and that you see you see what has happened in chinnakanal it has completely been taken over by these resorts now we have blocked all the corridors we have now we don't allow the our elephants to move and then conflict is an automatic thing and we then blame the poor animal that oh it's coming and uh, causing conflict it yeah but who is responsible the human beings are responsible for it no we are the ones who created the situation where the poor animal is having to you know find a way for itself or is changing its behavior because of our uh, our uh, interventions yeah so uh, i'd like to just conclude it by saying that uh, this problem is this uh, our uh, earth was created for all biodiversity and all forms including humans we have taken it over we have changed uh, the landscape and we now again blame our wildlife and uh, our biodiversity for whatever the problems are but if the problem was created by us the solution also can be found only by us our wildlife and our uh, forests are not going to be able to offer us a solution because they are in a way puppets in our hands thank you so much ma'am for like neatly uh, pinning it down uh, the key point is that you know i think it is imperative that all of us all the teams and departments and everybody should work together outside their silos Uh, to ensure that our biodiversity and ecosystem is intact because ultimately that's the only way to avoid uh, any kind of human animal conflict that is there and uh, we need to come up with a sustainable solution uh, if we are to survive in the long run 
so uh, thank you so much ma'am for joining us uh, this is on manorama's news break and explainer podcast which is produced by harita benjamin with technical production by idea brew studios it comes out every week and is available on all podcast platforms do follow on manorama.com for more updates